Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Perry Rizopoulos, and welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And today we're finishing up our spiritual spring cleaning series in regards to my suggested practice. We will definitely have more conversations on the podcast in future episodes about practices. I do like this mixture, though, or this combination of silence, questioning, self-writing, and now some reading. I think reading is a great way to accompany our self-writing practice, and it could even be a practice in and of itself that doesn't require us to read. And by read, I want to say we could think maybe mostly about a book or a text, but I also want us to keep in mind that you kind of read a painting and a movie and a song as well, right? So what I'm going to suggest today comes from an article written by Kevin Gary called Liberal Education and Reading for Meaning. And this essay or this article is primarily about philosophical texts and a sort of perspective or posture one could take to a philosophical text. So we've spoken a lot about a number of texts at this point, just to name a few, of course, Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, Epictetus' The Art of Living, right? Thich Nhat Hanh, the How-To series, Pema Chodron, the Pocket Pema Chodron. We've done stuff with Camus and Sartre and Seneca. So there's been a few philosophers here. So of course this applies to reading their work, right? I just had a great conversation with a student actually about their final project, which is to adopt a practice. And they are going to do a painting, they love to paint, and it's gonna be a Memento Mori style, Danza Macabre style painting. So the Danza Macabre, I'm saying it wrong probably, but it's D-A-N-S-E-M-A-C-A-B-R-E. It's an old genre of paintings that were pretty much about death, right? So it would be like a, like a skeleton playing a violin and smiling. Um, Ryan Holiday talks about, he has a painting where it's a skeleton pointing a crossbow at the person looking at the painting and it's got this poem on it. It sort of means like, you know, death is coming and it's supposed to be, again, this encouragement, I think, to live urgently, to live passionately and to be grateful. So when I was talking with the student, I suggested, look, I'm not sure how long the painting will take you. I'm not sure how large the canvas is or what have you, right? But I said, even if you get it done in, let's say, a day, right? And the assignment is to practice something for at least seven days in a row. Talk about how you read the painting, right? Or how you have an aesthetic experience with the painting and an aesthetic philosophical experience. And by aesthetic experience, this is a very summarized sort of a bird's eye understanding of it. It's what happens between you and the painting, right? And that's in the physical space, right? And of course, the physical space, I also mean philosophical space, right? It's our ability to interpret. It's something that, or let's say something that occurs when we view a, a work of art or a, a painting, right? Um, and it provokes something within us. Or let's say we open ourselves up and allow ourselves to be provoked, and then we engage in a conversation with ourselves and with the work of art. So when we do that in the primitive reading posture, let's say, we're not just reading it or not looking at it simply to, let's say, understand the painting or the text or the movie or the song itself. And that's important, right? But what the primitive reading perspective asks, asks us to adopt, right, is a relationship to the work, and this is from Kevin Gary, that is personal and passionate. It's not just about critical thinking or understanding it, right? We look at these things, these works of art, these philosophical texts as sources of profound wisdom. And as we've been saying, hopefully throughout this whole podcast, right? You know, been understanding it in this way, right? Wisdom is lived by who? You. 
right? So when we're reading a text, when we're looking at a work of art, we look at it, we consider it as a spiritual exercise that is supposed to produce a transformation in ourselves. So we approach these things in that way. And I think this is a really interesting way to approach almost everything in life. A little bit of a disclaimer here that does get exhausting because I also think we need modes of healthy escapism where we're not, let's say, necessarily approaching things in this way. But I do think this is generally a very healthy way to move on the planet, right? If we look at things, experiences, works of art, and again, works of art, by that I mean paintings, books, movies, TV shows, right? With this posture, right, the, the idea that reading, especially in the ancient world, was designed to transform the person reading. So a teacher wouldn't tell you to read just so you can memorize something. Or you wouldn't be reading just to, let's say, get by in day-to-day -day life. But you'd look at life and time as an opportunity to partake in reading and engaging with art and text with this philosophical self-care imperative, this imperative of philosophy as the art of living in mind, and I would even say in soul and in heart, right? And even approaching life, and we've talked about this with Marcus Aurelius, right? And I also think we highlighted this with Pema Chodron. If you are approaching things from a primitive, sorry, I guess there's a delivery or something. Um, if you're approaching this text or this work of art, or this experience with a primitive approach, right? The approach of the primitive reader, again, to me implies more than simply engaging with the text, which in and of itself, of course, is potentially very powerful. Think for a minute, like what, are, what have been one to three books you've read that have really changed the way you live? And if you can't answer that, that's a beautiful reason to start looking for this relationship, right? Reading is therapeutic. Reading, again, is designed if we take this certain posture to help us. Whereas I think a lot of times, and this is an unfortunate reality of schooling right now, right? Reading is viewed as just a burden. It's viewed as something you do to get a grade. And I think a lot of times, unfortunately, going to school can take away your passion for reading instead of giving you one. Again, with primitive reading, one of the main aspects is that it's asking you, no, take this personally. Try to be passionate about what you're reading here. See it as a source of wisdom that could help you live better, that could help you change yourself. So with my student, right, I suggested, well, put the painting up somewhere where you're going to see it every day and see, does it remind you to be a little more joyful? Does it cultivate a little more gratitude? Does it encourage you? Does it push you towards these types of spiritual transformations? And I think it's actually a really good exercise that I strongly suggest would work, you know, with a self-writing exercise. One to three books, one to three movies, one to three songs that actually change the way you live. And I think this works both with fiction and nonfiction, right? Because nonfiction, even the philosophical texts we examine, a lot of them will, I think, pretty clearly give you some type of advice, or at least will seem to give you some type of advice, right? Even with Memento Mori, literally, right? Remember death. It's telling you to do something. So we try to live it. We don't ignore it. We try to give it our attention in a way that is, once again, personal and passionate. We ask ourselves not only what does it mean, what is it saying, but how could I live it? Why is this important? Why might this be helpful? How could I try it? Then when we try it, we check in with ourselves. Because one of the things I mentioned to my student, because she says, you know, for her, she discovered Memento more in the class. It's been super, super 
helpful for her. And she was like surprised because, you know, I think, you know, on its, uh, let's say on the surface, it seems just depressing, right? But we started talking about it. And, you know, I said, look, you've discovered it in this class. Go back into our text, see where you discovered it. What encouraged you to even think about this idea, uh, you know, of painting a memento mori piece of art, right? That you'll put in your home to inspire you. Because that moment, that's where the primitive reading happened, right? It hit you in a way that was personal. It got you feeling in a way that was passionate, that with even a sense of urgency, right? These are beautiful moments that, again, I think we can highlight them in our past. A movie, I think, could really encourage us as well. And this, let's, for a minute, let's uh, talk about fiction, right? Works of fiction, I think, also could really inspire this. The ancient Greeks, you know, they would tell stories I think of the Odyssey, right? The ancient Greeks were famous for memorizing these epic poems and they deliver them to crowds. They deliver them to their children, right? And we could argue that's, you know, obviously we would say a large part of the Odyssey at the very least, right, was made up. But still you have virtue. Still you have examples of courage, examples of honesty. You have examples of heroism and these stories that we pass down, if you are open in this primitive sense, right, they become ways that inspire us. So this is not at all limited to nonfiction reading or even, let's say, historical, which I think we get a lot of this from history too. If you look at history from the primitive reader perspective, of course, we have examples of our own personal histories, obviously, but also history on a, you know, on a global scale that can inspire us to be attaching a sense of ourselves and a sense of passion and this idea of transformation to the way we engage with these stories, engage with these books. So even I think for a second, this is an interesting exercise too, who are some fictional characters that have really inspired you to once again, transform yourself? We can look up to the people around us. I think that's a beautiful idea. And I also don't think it's all that uh, all that strange to look up to some fictional characters. If they embody ideas that we admire, if they can give us examples to strive for, if they remind us of ourselves in important and meaningful and truthful ways. Right. So these, again, these primitive reading moments, I think are ones that we can think about, write about. And ultimately as, as is the point of, uh, of the reflections we got from Gary here, right. To transform our ways of being. Once again, I've had students write wonderful pieces about how their engagement with religious texts has been transformative, right? You can read any text and read it in a way that is detached, in a way that you don't even ask yourself to open up, in a way that you don't even encourage yourself to see it as grounds for, as material for transformation, right? With Michel Foucault's discussion ethics of the ancient philosophical practice of the hopnomata, right? You literally look at texts like you're inspecting them for what could help me transform in this text. And then you collect them and you have them in, in this one notebook, this one place that you could return to these quotes and meditate on them and talk about them with others and use them as tools for leading a different life. So I ask that, you know, you consider this as an act, um, or let's say you consider this as a potential form of therapy. Choose a book or two, Maybe reflect on your history with various works of art, various texts, see where things were primitive and how that was helpful. And then maybe you adopt a practice where you sit with a certain text with this new posture. You ask those questions that I offered. You try to take things in a positive sense, of course, take things personally, 
approach things passionately and start seeing texts and even the events in your life from this perspective where we prioritize and we aim for transformation. We aim for and try to embody passion. Hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you soon.